Our reading, as you can see, is 1 Corinthians 13, a very well-known chapter. We're going to read from verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow, bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity, vaunt, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but reigneth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is uh, perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. And I want to take from my text, verse 8, which says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And if you go on into verse 10, you see that this is the verses that many use today uh, who are opponents, uh, put it that way, of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and they quote 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verses 8 to 10. They say it proves that the gifts are not in operation today, and they are not needed today. They state that the apostles and the gifts were only for the introduction of a particular dispensation. And having served their purpose, they now have disappeared. So in other words, they uh, say that they were, as we've said before, they were just to get the church off the ground, the, this fledgling church, and they were to give it strength to get established, and then they were no longer needed. And they believe that Paul's analogy of the state of childhood, the church infancy, was there until that which is perfect would come. So this means that we have the canon of Scripture, and we have now left the kindergarten toys, the milk of the Word, and as an <clears throat> we do no further need of God's Spirit or God's guidance or God's power in our lives. Well, an important thing to note is that they say nothing about knowledge vanishing away. We've seen that. And if you go again for me there, please. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. It shall vanish away. If you go to verse 9 and 10 for me there, we read in these verses, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The thing about this, which I would suggest to them, is that which is perfect has not yet come. He has came, he died on the cross, he ascended into heaven, and he will return and that would be my argument or my debate with them. You see, church, in my simple mind that God gave me, 
I believe that that which is perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ, will come. And then there'll be no more need for the gifts of the Holy Ghost because he will be with us and will be spending eternity with us. I believe with all my heart that the Holy Ghost is needed today. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. I'm not going to preach about the state of the world, but I just give up watching the news. Uh, I just noticed on every channel we have Virgin TV, and I don't know how many channels there are, 99 or something like that. Every channel, they're adverts. They're celebrating Pride Month. I would love to see them celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a kickback that they would get for that. I'm told, I don't know if it's true or not, but Netflix have changed their course of direction. They're saying, if you're woke, you'll end up broke. And they have went the other direction. So if that's true, God bless them for what they're doing. The world's in a terrible state. Horrendous state. Every advertisement, every program, they're bringing the things that God said are wrong into these programs and trying to normalize them. The church needs the Holy Spirit I say, not as antagonists, not as people who are causing trouble, but people who will help these people who are lost, who help these people who have no identity. They claim they have an identity. They don't. They don't know who they are. But they can be a child of God, and we need the Holy Spirit to help them. You know, when Paul says, now we see darkly, but when he returns, we'll see all things. You know, many play with the Greek and Hebrew words, but for me, the truth is glaring at us. The gifts of the Holy Ghost are for the latter-day church. They're for you, they're for me. And I say the latter-day church. I got a private message uh, accusing me that I'm saying the the Holy Ghost is for the Mormon church. I didn't say the latter-day saints. I said the latter-day church, the church of God throughout the world. And if you're watching again, thank you for your wee message. So the body of Christ, our title is the Latter-day Church, the church which is alive in the last days. If you go into Matthew, uh, the, the end chapters from about 24 on, you'll see the state things will get. But you see the promise from Almighty God that he will pour out his spirit upon us. We've seen the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2. And if you go back into 1 Corinthians 11, you will see that Paul is dealing with proper conduct at the Lord's table. And there's an indication of when all things, as I've said, will be revealed. You go to the slide for me, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. It says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. So church, when the Lord returns, and he definitely will return, and hopefully soon, well, we're not going to need the Holy Ghost because he will rule and reign. Sin will be done away with. The devil and all the enemies of God's people will end up in the lake of fire and it will be gone for eternity. He will reign no more in the lives of men and women. Men and women will live in eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a day that will be. No matter what chorus, when my Jesus, I will see. What a day, glorious day, that will be. If I could sing and break into a song. <laughs> I want you to note that Paul also is not saying, never mind the gifts, get love, which is another accusation. Love is important. Without love, your gifts, your talents, your whatever you give, it's meaningless. He's not saying without love, the gifts are nothing. He's saying that he sees the Lord wants to empower the church, but he wants us to, to 
operate these things, are in fact to walk for Christ, not just in the Spirit, with, with love. Our every motive, our every action, everything that we do should be done in love and mercy, should be done in forgiveness. And the power of the Holy Spirit in your life can help you with that. It's one of the hardest things for, for mankind is to forgive. We can say it with our mouths, but, you know, do we really believe what we're saying ourselves? But if we have the power of God in our lives and we're producing the fruits of the Spirit, then we can have that ability to forgive people and to forgive one another and to stand in the unity of Christ. God wants to empower the church. He wants to equip us, as we've seen, for the battles for the days ahead. And, you know, there are many reasons uh, that we should receive the Holy Ghost as individuals, not just as a church, because as I've said, you know, the, the Holy Ghost revival, it starts in an individual and then it spreads. In the Isle of Lewis, it was four women, wasn't it? They were praying in their room and God fell, uh, God's Spirit fell on them while they were praying and a revival overtook the United Kingdom. Uh, in fact, parts of America also were told. So we need the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it's a filling. If you go to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is access, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody into your, in your heart to the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit can do for you. You're so full of the Holy Ghost. You see, the Lord does not just half fill our cup, but he fills it to overflowing. The psalmist in Psalm 23, verse 5, said, The anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You know, we don't get half measures from the Lord. We get a full overflowing cup of blessing from the Lord. He fills us to overflowing. And so when you're seeking the Holy Ghost, understand that this is a filling. You know, I heard someone say that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you know, it's like reading the Word of God. You start off in the milk and you progress and you progress. You get a full outpouring of God in your lives. And then it's up to you to utilize that, to use that, to, to strengthen that, to, to build up that spirit that is in you, as Paul exhorted Timothy to do. He says, build up that spirit which is in you. God fills you to overflowing with blessings. God doesn't give you half a cup of blessings. He gives you a full cup of blessings when you seek his face, when you truly seek to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And with the Holy Ghost in your life, we go to 2 Corinthians 1, 20, 1 We see that it is a sealing on you. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Brothers and sisters, we have the royal seal on our lives. He has sealed us by his Spirit. And when you are sealed by the Spirit of God, that's you have the approval of Almighty God to be his ambassador, to be his servant. You have that approval. Throughout the world, our Queen sends ambassadors uh, to, uh, as her representatives, uh, and they are chosen by her. Uh, I'll say chosen by politicians also, but they're not just randomly picked. They have a talent, they have, they're a person who has the ability to do these things. But you know something? God doesn't look for our ability to seal us. He looks for an open heart. 
He looks for a willing heart to be filled with his spirit. He looks for a wanting heart, a wanting heart that wants to serve him, a wanting heart that wants to represent him, a wanting heart that wants to be his ambassador, that wants to reach out to our friends, that wants to reach out to our neighbors. We've we, we seen it and we quoted it a couple of weeks ago. People know that we are the children of God by the seal of his spirit upon us. He seals us by his spirit. We are his witnesses in this darkened world. If we look at Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We stay in Ephesians, we go to verse, sorry, chapter 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. God blesses us. To, fills us to overflowing, blesses our going out and our coming in. We are sealed by his spirit, and that's wonderful. We are ambassadors for Christ. But here's the thing. There's a responsibility with that. There's a responsibility. We're told in Ephesians, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We're to use his spirit for his glory. We're to use his spirit to bring honor to him. We are used any gift that we have been given that people may be drawn to God. This is not about self-promotion. I told you before, I wasn't long a Christian. And I was uh, in the Royal Hospital. Uh, we were guarding a police officer who was uh, injured in the bomb attack in Jordanstown uh, University or attack, whatever it was back then. And this gentleman was brought in. He was a minister. It doesn't matter what church he's from because this is his, the way he acted. But he was brought in to pray for this guy. And so it was him and whoever brought him, uh, the wife of this policeman, and he went in and uh, he was telling them all, I had healed this person and I'd healed this person. And as, even as a young Christian, I was thinking to myself, did anybody ever tell him about Jesus? But too shy to say anything. But he shook this poor guy about the bed, cast out every demon there, there ever was. And sadly, the guy died about two or three days later. But you know, for me, just watching that man, it was all about him. This is what I have done. I've been brought in, you know, open the doors, here I come. That's not the Holy Spirit of God moving in you. When Peter and John, as we looked at, healed a man who was at the beautiful gate, they didn't say, we've done that. He said, silver and gold. In other words, we have nothing we can give you, but what we do have, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It's to bring glory to God. We are sealed by his Spirit. In both the books of Esther and Daniel, we see the messages from the king. We're sealed by the king's ring. The message is, you know, when Mordecai told Esther what was going on and she went and the king held out the scepter and she was granted into his presence. She told him what was happening. He gave out the order and he sealed it with his ring. See, once that wax and the ring went on it, no one could challenge that. No one could change that. That was the authority of the king. That was the seal of the king of kings. Uh, 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 sorry, the king in that country. We are sealed with the Holy Ghost. We are sealed and we are the children of God. As I've said, I, I quoted it there earlier, it's Romans 8 verse 16. It says, the spirit itself birth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. We know by your love shall all men know that you are my disciples. Yes, we know that. But do you know what the, the Word of God says, and Paul tells us in Romans 8 and 16, the Spirit of God in you beareth witness that you are a child of God. That you are a child of God. Church, 
if only there was a stirring throughout every church in the world, let alone our land, for a hunger for the move of God, a hunger for the move of God in their lives. And then that will overflow into the church and overflow into the nation. The Lord wants to bless us, as I've said. He wants us to receive power for service. If you look, well, we'll not read it, but if you look in your own personal studies at Acts 6, 1 to 6, we see there the Grecians were, they were uh, murmuring against all the Hebrews and the apostles because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So the disciples, they brought everybody together and they, they said, if we all know, that it wasn't reason that they should uh, leave the word of God and serve tables. So what they did was they sought out seven men of honest report, and listen to this, full of the Holy Ghost. So they sought out men with a talent to do what they were calling them to do, but the greater qualification was they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I'm a great guitarist. Lord, I'm a great singer. Lord, I'm a great preacher. Lord, I'm a great this, I'm a great that. Do you know what God's saying? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Because that's the anointing on your ministry. That's the anointing which brings people closer to God. Your talent may be wonderful, but you know something? Without the anointing of God, it means nothing. It means nothing. You need the anointing of God on your talent. So these seven men were full of the Holy Ghost, and they appointed them over this business. They, they give themselves continually to prayer, to the ministry of the Word, and that we know that they chose Stephen and seven other ones. Uh, Philip was another one of, they pray, uh, of the ones that they chose. They laid their hands on them. They prayed with them, and the Word of God increased. Why? Because these were men full of the Holy Ghost. You know, some would tell us that it was only the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost because they were the preachers. They were the ones that were praying with, with people. But here's men doing labor, the laboring tasks, lifting chairs, looking after widows, organizing things. They needed filled with the Holy Ghost also. They needed filled with the Holy Ghost. No matter where you are in God, you need the Holy Ghost. These men were anointed for service, filled with His Spirit, uh, and to look after the daily running of the church, the fatherless and the widows. We need this church, each and every one of us need this for our service for God. The Holy Ghost in your life gives you power and authority because again, we are ambassadors for the Lord. If we look at Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Church, we face an evil foe, the father of lies, the devil himself. And he is a prince of this world. And as a prince of this world, the world are dancing to his tune. And we need God's wisdom. We need God's power. We need God's love to counteract that. We face an evil adversary indeed. And when the Holy Ghost works in us, when the Holy Ghost works through us, we are more than conquerors in his name. You know, when these other men tried to cast out demons, what did the demons say? Paul we know. Peter we know. Who are you? These men weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. They were trying by their own power. They were trying uh, by, by their own means to, to do what the apostles were doing. It was impossible. The apostles were doing what they were doing because it was the Holy Ghost in them and through them working God's will and God's power 
we looked uh, said a minute ago about Peter and John on their way to the temple at the beautiful gate. And this man was begging. It's in Acts 3, verse 6. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, we cannot give men and women the riches of this world. We cannot do that. But we can give them the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. You know, speaking the other week about what really touched my heart in Belfast, these drug addicts walking about. And you know, you give them silver and gold, they'll just go and buy more drugs. But you know something, if we pray in the name of Jesus Christ over them and just pray that God would deliver them, then that will make an impact in their lives. That will change their lives. The Lord wants to move through us in signs and wonders. We keep hearing from different people that God does not want to move today and God does not heal today. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said God wants to move through us. God wants to empower the church. God wants us to pray for people and see them healed. God wants us to pray for the unsaved and see them saved. God wants us to pray for great spiritual growth in our land, and we need to do it. The Lord wants to move. What you and I need is a faith to believe that he is able to move in this miracle working power. You know, when you pray for someone, pray in faith believing. Don't just pray because it's the right thing to do. Pray in faith believing. I could not even attempt to account how many people have prayed for. Some were healed, some weren't, but that isn't going to stop me praying. That isn't going to stop me believing every time I pray with someone that God is going to touch them. I believe it with all my heart. If I didn't, then I wouldn't insult the person by praying for them. We need to pray in faith, believing that God will do this. And he will do that when we are filled with his spirit. He will do it. It says in Ephesians 3, 20, 21, Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, listen to this, throughout all ages, not just throughout a particular dispensation, throughout all ages and world without men. Church, I remember many, many years ago, we had a few uh, students come over, I think it was from uh, Bishop William Parent sent them, and one of them preached, and the title of his sermon was, If You're Going to Doubt Anything, Doubt, Doubt. <laughs> I think about that. It took me a minute or two to catch what he said. Doubt, doubt, have faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to what he can do in your life. He can give you power. He can give you an infilling. And he can also give you the power to overcome persecution. To overcome persecution. We go to John 21, verse 18. Truly, truly, I say unto you, when I was young, thy girdeth thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spoke he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. What a request to follow me. <laughs> follow me, and you're going to die this way. <laughs> but you know something? Jesus was not a liar. He let the church know, and he's letting you and I know that we will face persecution. Said it a couple of times, if we're not facing persecution, we're not doing God's work because we're not annoying the devil. Church, I want to annoy the life out of the devil. 
Amen. I want to see lives changed and set free from his grasp. God wants to help us overcome persecution. And persecution can come in different ways. It can come uh, through our illness, through physical, mental illness. It can come through relationship problems. Persecution can come, but when the Holy Spirit is in you, then he helps you overcome this. He gives you the strength. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the grace even sometimes, even though you're not in the wrong, just to step back and, uh, I don't know, agree to disagree or whatever way you want to put it. But God's power in your life will help you overcome persecution. It'll help you walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and worship in the Spirit. Romans 8 and 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. With God's Spirit in your life, you begin to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? You begin to walk for God. Your whole life, your whole motives, your whole actions are for the Lord. Everything you do, you're trying to glorify God. When someone asks you to do something, your response is, how can I glorify God? You know, when you go to answer someone, you're asking God, just put a wee guard on my tongue there and that I don't say something wrong. This God will help us walk in his spirit. He'll help us live in his spirit. God will open doors for us. And also God will close doors if these doors need to be closed. You know, many times, church, we've had desires and things that we think that this is the good thing to do. And yet God has closed the door. But if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're living in the Spirit, then we just accept His will. I remember the only personal situation I can think of was in my last job, there, there was an opportunity uh, came up to be moved uh, to this particular uh, unit. And uh, an old boss of mine was in charge of this unit, so I thought, well, I want to go there, and I prayed, and I thought, this is good. It's going to actually, why I wanted this, it would have given me the weekends off. And it was the first time in about 15 or 16 years I'd been able, I would have been able to have a weekend off. But unfortunately, uh, I didn't get it. And I was disappointed at the time. And I thought, Lord, you know, I was praying for this, that I might have the weekends off, that I might be able to go to church every Sunday. Uh, in all likelihood, I'll be able to go to the midweek meetings instead of just going to the odd one when I'm not working. And I was thinking to myself, you know, God, why did you close this door? But, you know, another thing came up in different situations. When I look back, I see God's hand on it. And that's God's Spirit working and moving in us. Church, it might be hard to accept. You might want to do something, but you need to look, and if you're filled with the Spirit, and see God's closing that door. It's not for you. God is another door he wants you to go in. God is another way he wants to use you. He will help you walk. He will help you live in the Spirit. He will set you free to worship him. You know, it's great to be set free to worship the Lord. What does that mean? It means no matter what, you will worship and praise the Lord. No matter what the storm is, no matter what the, how deep the river you're going through is, no matter how hard the mountain you have to climb, you will worship the Lord because you're walking in the Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit. God's Spirit lifts you up. Do you know something? There's nothing beats any anxiety, any depression which comes against you. Nothing but worship does it. You know, I've proved it. I've told you this maybe a hundred times. You might be thinking, here, he's going to say this again. On my way back from London, Derry, having been told I had cancer over the telephone, do you know what helped me get home? Worshiping the Lord. Amen. I put on a CD. Elvin Slaughter, wasn't his name? I called him Slaughterhouse one day. It's not a slaughter, I think. 
and I worshiped the Lord and I got home on a high, brothers and sisters. God can lift you up higher than you ever think he could. We are free to worship the Lord. John 4, verse 23. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. We go down into verse 24 then. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Church, if we want to develop the praise and worship in this truth, then let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That means worshiping the Lord with all your heart. That means not worrying who's watching you. That means not worrying who's listening to you. It means just praising and worshiping God for the great things he has done in your life, for the great things he is doing in your life, for the great things he's going to do in your life when you trust in him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. When you do that, John 7, 38 tells us something. It says that he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Church, what this means is blessings will flow from you. Blessings will flow from you and other people will be blessed. You know, we can quote many men in the Bible. The perfect example, I think, well, apart from Jesus, is Joseph. Think of how many people were blessed through Joseph's persecution. Think of how many people were blessed. We mentioned Daniel through Daniel's persecution. Think of the whole nation of the, of the Jews were blessed because Esther trusted God and believed in God. God is there and God will deliver and the blessings will flow from you and bless other people. Barclay said that they shall be like a running fountain, like a running fountain. It doesn't stop. It just continues to flow and continues to refresh and continues to bless. The word river, I'm told, is used to express, again, abundance or a full supply. Here we go again. There's no half measures, no half a cup. Our cups will be overflowing. We will be able to bless other men and women as they are instruments used by God to bring light into darkness and living waters to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Church, God wants to bless his people. Isn't it sad that there are some people who don't want God to bless them? And they mightn't say that with their mouths, but they say it with their actions. They don't want to know a, a thing about the Holy Ghost. They don't want to seek the Lord and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe the Lord wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you with the former and the latter rain. We looked at this. He's a God who keeps his promises. He's a God who keeps his covenants. And the promise was that in the last days, he said, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. It will be the former and the latter rain to empower us for the tasks ahead. And those who hear this call and heed to this call, God will use you mightily. God will use you mightily. I remember giving a, I was given a book it was about the history of the church. And one thing really stuck out in my mind was through all the great revivals, you know, there was great revivals. And, you know, you read of people, uh, the best book I've ever read on revivals was the Robert Ian Paisley's book. And I would recommend it to you. It's such an encouraging book to seek the Lord. But in that, he was talking about people walking past the door of a church and falling down on their knees, crying and pleading to God for forgiveness when they heard the singing inside. And churches filled to overflowing. But here's a sad thing, church. As time went on, men began to rely on themselves. 
You see, back then they were relying on God. Back then they were worshiping God. Back then when the revival came, uh, everything was great and we're all worshiping God. But the whole way through the Bible is the same. Men get complacent. Men fall away. Men get cold and the Spirit died. And some of those churches were, as I said, they, they had wheelchairs hanging on the sides of the, the walls where people who had been healed. These churches are dead. They're empty because they forgot their calling to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I pray for them. I'm saying that, that not in a critical way. That can happen to any church when the church loses sight of the Almighty God. We need to worship the Lord you know, I think it's Revelation 1, verse 10. If you have a Bible, look it up. Just thinking about that while I was speaking there. Yes. Yes, sorry. It's for Revelation 1, verse 10. This is John speaking. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard a trumpet behind me, a great voice, sorry, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega. What's sort of coming out to me now as I look at that? When did God talk to John? When he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He didn't say he was in church on the Lord's day. He said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Lord, we want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to hear your call. Lord, we want you to direct us. We want you to lead us. We want you to guide us. Well then, get in the Spirit. Amen? And not just the Lord's day, by the way. Get in the Spirit. This is John we know on the Isle of Patmos. This is John suffering persecution you know, it wasn't a, a, an island where he had a, a room of his own and he was able to go out and sit in the sun. He was working out there as a slave, a slave prisoner. And he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Despite his circumstances, despite the news which would have got to him about the death of every other disciple and the horrendous death that some of them uh, suffered. And there's John, what's he doing? He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Church, this is not me. This won't bring any glory to me. This is not going to make me Mr. Significant. This is about God. Think about that. This is about Almighty God calling you to be filled with the Holy Ghost calling you to be his ambassador, calling you that he might seal you with his spirit, calling you that he will aid you to walk, to live, to worship him in the spirit and to have that strength, to have that power, to help you overcome every adversity, to help you overcome every temptation. And you can only do that when God is fully in your life, when God is fully blessing you. You know, we can let things go, and I can let things go. I'm talking to myself as well here. We need to stir up the gift that is in us. Those of you already been filled with the Holy Ghost, as we looked at last week, there's only one baptism. You don't need another baptism. You just need to stir up the gift that is in you. Praise, praise team can't do it. I can't do it, but you can do it by seeking the Lord in prayer. Not just in church, but at home, we spoke about prayer. How long do we pray? How long do we spend time listening to God? Let's spend more time. P. 
people will come, they will say, I genuinely want to see a move of God. I want to see a change in the world, a change in our lives, a change in our church. Well, then I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Seek me. Seek my Spirit, and I will bless you. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that these walls will not be able to contain. If you have faith to believe that, then God will honor that. If you have faith to believe that God will use you, then God will honor your faith and use you mightily. We want this place to be filled with overflowing. You know something with respect, we're not going to do it with gadgets, but we're going to do it with the Holy Ghost. Amen? We're going to do it with the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost is here, the musicians come back, when the Holy Ghost is here through our praise, through our worship, lives can be changed. People will repent. They'll not just confess with their mouths. They'll confess with their lives that they are now a child of God. They will turn from their sins. They will turn from their drugs. They will turn from their wicked ways. They will turn from their alcoholism. They will turn from their depression. They will turn from their anger. They will turn from their anxiety when they trust the Lord to move in and through their lives. Spending time before him. We speak, I mentioned it last week, we, we, we know that it was 40 days after the Lord ascended, they were in the upper room. And the scholars tell us that actually the disciples spent 10 days. I don't know where they get this, but they're the experts. So they spent 10 days praying, according to these guys, before God moved in power. 10 days of prayer before God moved in power, before it was the right time, God's timing. Church, if we have to spend 100 days, and let's do it. But let's seek the Lord with fasting and prayer as we turn back to the praise team. Let's stand.